Instead, they got a peacemaker. The crowd expected a Messiah who would vindicate them and free them. And except they ended up with a a saviour nailed to a cross. Even the religious leaders of the day didn't understand what was going on. They expected a Messiah who was going to be a man, a mere man who would be raised to favour. And yet they got someone who claimed to be God, who was God, and who took praise and received praise as God. To them, that was blasphemy. There was so much confusion. Two different lines of messianic prophecy. On the one hand, there was a prophecy about a messianic king, someone who would come and reign on David's throne and fulfill righteousness and justice. And there's another line of messianic prophecy that would talk about a suffering servant, someone who would be led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb so he'd open not his mouth. Someone who would take upon himself the punishment for the whole world and so to free the guilty. Nobody expected that the Messianic king and the suffering servant would be one and the same person. And yet here we find Jesus fulfilled both those lines of prophecy. And so when Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king? He said, yes, it is, as you say it is. So the soldiers uh, mocked Jesus, dressing him up as a king and pretending to salute him and knelt down and hailed him as king of the Jews. And when the cross was put up, there was a sign above the cross that said, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. The religious leaders mocked him, saying, if you really are the king of the Jews, come down and we'll believe you then. Wanting to save others, but you can't even save yourself. And yet this king was also a suffering servant who was humiliated and persecuted, led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so Jesus opened not his mouth. And when he was accused by the chiefs and the elders, he gave no answer. Pilate said, don't you hear the testimony that they're bringing against you? And Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Is it any wonder that the people of Jesus' day were totally confused? Many of them had their hopes dashed. Jesus hadn't delivered on their expectations. Living between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday was totally confusing for them. The anticipated victory to them appears to have ended in defeat. And that confusion still reigns today. I remember in the early days when we uh, had built this um, community centre, being on the court and we're advertising for church uh, Easter, our Easter services. And a man walked up to me and he said, you Christians are are strange people. I just don't get you. You follow a failure. You follow someone who was crucified and defeated. And then you want to claim that this this crucified, defeated person is all-powerful. Well, if he is all-powerful, let me tell you, this world is pretty screwed up. Do you really want to follow a God like that? The confusion at who Jesus is. The confusion is also captured in this famous painting entitled Hope. A fellow called George Frederick Watts painted it in 1886. 
and his father was a strict evangelical Christian and this led uh, both to the Watts Jr. Um, to have a deep knowledge of the, of the Christian faith but an intense dislike of organised religion. And the year before this was painted, uh, Watts' adopted daughter Blanche had lost, tragically lost her, her little child, Isabel, to illness. And this really rocked the whole of the Watts family, particularly George, who said this, I see nothing but uncertainty, contention, conflicts, beliefs unsettled and nothing established in place of them. And so he set out to illustrate hope in a society where people were increasingly questioning the existence of God because of all their shattered dreams and their shattered hopes. And so he wrote to a friend. He said, I'm thinking about illustrating hope. Hope sitting on a globe with bandaged eyes, playing on a lyre which has all the strings broken but one, out of which poor little tinkle, she's trying to get all the music possible, listening with all her might to the little sound. Do you like the idea? Watts himself was ambivalent about the religious meaning of this of this painting and he said, I made hope blind, so expecting nothing. And perhaps the most famous uh, sermon that was preached around this particular painting was by an Afro-American pastor, Jeremiah Wright, who said, who took a different view of this painting. He said, the painting depicts a harpist, a woman who at first glance appears to be sitting atop a great mountain until you take a closer look and see that the woman is bruised and bloodied, dressed in tattered rags, the harp reduced to a single frayed string, and she is sitting on the world. And in spite of being on a world torn by war, in spite of being on a world destroyed by hate, in spite of being on a world devastated by distrust and decimated by disease, in spite of being on a world where famine and greed were uneasy bed partners, in spite of being on a world where apartheid and apathy fed the fires of racism, her harp all but destroyed except for that one string that was left, in spite of all these things, the woman has the audacity to hope. She had the audacity to hope and to make music and to praise God on the one string that she had left. Do you have the audacity to hope in the midst of your shattered dreams, even on this Good Friday. I know there are people here that are carrying enormous pain. For some, the loss of a loved one is still is still very painful. It's taking so long to subside. I know there are others that are in relationship battles, issues of relationships that seem to get better and all of a sudden then the relationship is broken. There are those that are struggling with long-term illness or whatever. Very few of us as Christians live to see all our hopes and dreams fulfilled. And even as I was preparing for this and thinking about a topic like shattered dreams and hopes, I was reminded of those times when my faith was refined. So I look back on different aspects of, of our family's life. Like the time when my auntie and uncle committed Christians were, were killed in a head-on car accident coming back from a family function. Another time when my cousin was shot dead by her husband who then turned the gun on himself or while their six-year-old daughter watched on. When another cousin went in at the age of 40 for exploratory surgery on her back only to be paralysed in that operation to spend the next 24 years of her life in a wheelchair until she died five years ago. 
or to see my own dad's battle with bipolar disorder over the last 48 years of his life and try to, to balance the, the highs and the lows of life, just ordinary life. God, where are you? God, where are you? Is there really hope? Do you answer prayer? Did that first Easter Sunday really happen? Are you alive? Are you all-powerful? Are you in control? And if you are in control, do you really have plans to prosper your children and not to harm them? Are they really plans to give a hope in the future? And yet my experience has been that through those dark times of life, over time my faith has been refined and strengthened. Do you and I have the audacity to hope in the midst of shattered dreams? At his death, Watts' widow said this, faith must be the companion of hope. And this painting reflects for us a truth. Hope on its own can be shattered and at times defeated. Hope needs to be accompanied by faith and love. And today I want to encourage you to grab more tightly to the hope that is ours through the cross of Jesus Christ. Because right here at the cross, faith, hope, and love meet. Is it any wonder the Apostle Paul said these three things remain? Faith, hope, and love. And we see those right here at the cross, even on this Good Friday. See, our hope has a firm foundation when by faith we take hold of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, it is finished. What is finished? Jesus was saying, my work is done. The the gulf that separated man and God because of man's sinfulness. The penalty has been paid. The price has been paid. Jesus' blood has been shed. It is finished. It's an amazing thing that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, for you and me, that we might become in him the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That means that God took the punishment that we deserved. And he, and he cast that punishment upon Jesus. So Jesus paid the price for your salvation and mine. And we take hold of that when we look at the cross. We take hold of that by faith. And because of that, the temple has been torn in two, the curtain torn from top to bottom, and we have relationship with our creator. What an amazing thing. This is where, this is where our hope finds legs in the faith that we take hold of at the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But also our, our hope has a firm foundation. Firm foundation in the deep, deep love of God. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. God being the creative God he is could have used a thousand and one and that's certainly an understatement, different ways to bring about salvation with mankind. But God loved us so much that Jesus came and he made his home amongst us and he suffered and he died on the cross for us. God became a man. He dwelt amongst us. So God knows our sorrow. God knows our pain. God knows our shattered hopes and dreams. He was right here with us in life. And God wants us to take the love that we see in the cross and to take that to a world that is desperately needing to be restored. 
And it's the cross of Christ that provides that because that's where we see the love of our God and our Saviour. Hope, faith and love combine at the cross. And even when life is hard, even when our dreams and our hopes are shattered, the cross reminds us of a God whose ways are a lot higher than our ways. Yes, it is Friday, but Sunday is coming. And Sunday reminds us that for God, nothing is impossible. Even death has been conquered. And we know too that even though the resurrection has happened and we live with the joy of the resurrection and the reality of the resurrection, our dreams and hopes are still shattered. So we look forward to the day when Jesus will come again. And all our earthly troubles will fade into insignificance in the light of eternity. And we can spend eternity in the presence of Jesus, all because of the cross. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we we gather here today as people who are unbelievably blessed. We're on this side of the cross and... No sacrifices to appease you. Not having to measure up to a whole range of standards. In Jesus you have done it all. You have bridged the gap that existed between us and yourself because of sin. And Father we thank you for the cross this morning. We thank you that right here at the cross faith, hope and love combine. And that, Father, we have a foundation to face the future with confidence. Yes, it is Friday, but Sunday is coming and indeed has come. And we look forward to the day, Lord, when you are going to come again and make all things new. Lord, today we stand in awe. We stand in awe and amazement that you, God, our creator, would come to this earth and suffer and die that through your death we might have life. All we can say is thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.